Anything Ghost, number 289, the 16th anniversary of Anything Ghost. Welcome to Anything Ghost. My name is Lex Wall. Anything Ghost is a place where people come to listen to true ghost stories from listeners like you. If you have a story you want to share, send it to Lex at anythingghost.com or fill out the form at anythingghost.com. A spirit named Michael, the old lady in the chair, a haunted apartment in Plymouth, England, and other true stories about ghosts coming your way in number 289. first story we have comes to us from McKinley in California. Michael. This story took place in the early 1990s when I was about four years old. My parents had moved us from the central coast of California to a tiny town in southwest Washington state. After my parents had cleared the land and built a house, someone gave me a small school bus the size similar to one of those little Hot Wheel cars. I loved it and took it everywhere with me. One day I started to point to the bus's tiny emergency exit door and telling my mom and anyone else who would listen, this is where Michael always sat. We didn't know any Michael at the time, but my mom figured I'd learned the name from some TV show. She nodded along, not wanting to stifle my imagination, After a few weeks of talking about Michael, I revealed a new bit of information about him. Mom, this is where Michael sat before he died. That took my mama back, but she let it slide. That is, until I started to tell random strangers in the supermarket where Michael sat before his premature death, pointing to my small bus's emergency door. She'd hoped these weird moments would just be a phase. But Michael was just getting started. I can't pinpoint exactly when I met Michael or how I knew his story. He never spoke. But he would show up in the room I shared with my sister quite often. I'd be playing with dolls or whatever a small kid would do, and Michael would appear, standing next to me, He was about five or six years old, blonde hair, wearing a 1980s-era matching sweatsuit with geometric shapes in red, blue, and yellow. I felt like he was trying to get my attention, but I was constantly trying to avoid him. He was just there, all the time. I complained to my parents, but they chalked it up to my imagination. Maybe the stress of the move, or even perhaps jealousy brought on by the birth of my baby brother. But then Michael started sleeping in my bed. And that was too far. I remember waking up in the trundle bed. Somehow my older sister slept through this ordeal every night. And seeing a faint glowing light around Michael 
as he curled up on the end of my bed sleeping. I was not happy about it. I don't know if I was even scared as much as I was annoyed at this boy in my space. I would scream out to my parents to come and get Michael off my bed. My parents tell me now that they didn't take it seriously the first night they heard me scream out for help. They were, like many a parent awoken in the middle of the night to a screaming child, a bit agitated. But this attitude changed after that first night. My dad sleepily walked along the corridor to my room and froze in his tracks. He says the hair on the back of his neck stood straight up. He saw me curled up in a ball at the back corner of my bed, pointing and focusing in on something toward the end of the bed. I told my dad, Michael is right there, Dad. Make Michael leave. At a loss, my dad let me sleep in my parents' room on the floor. Michael came back again and again. My dad says that my parents would play rock, scissors, and paper to choose which one of them would come soothe me each time. They were terrified and pretty certain that there was definitely something in that room. Eventually, they'd had enough and they considered bringing in a priest to bless the house. But that was never necessary. I came downstairs one early morning while my dad was watching the news before heading to work. I startled him, and he asked me why I was up. I wanted to tell you that Michael left. He went to live with his mom in the woods. I remember that morning vividly all these years later. I remember seeing a blonde woman with a low ponytail parted down the middle. She wore a black shirt and came out to get Michael. Like Michael, she never actually spoke to me. But I knew who she was and where Michael was going. Michael became a sort of lore in our family. And for better or worse, he was my first of many paranormal encounters. But I never saw him again. And here's a story from Brian in Toronto, Canada. Mimic in my parents' room. This story happened to me when I was a young kid living in Toronto, or rather the biggest city nearby called Markham. The house we lived in was fairly new, and nothing ever struck me as being odd. We lived there for a few years before my paranormal story happened. It was one night when I was home alone. I was watching TV in my parents' room as they didn't block any channels on their TV. I finished watching YTV, which any Canadian kid will remember fondly. I got up and was walking out of my parents' room when I suddenly heard it. Brian. Clear as a day, I heard my mother's voice calling my name from the walk-in closet in my parents' room. I froze solid in place, not knowing what to do. There was nobody on the top floor of my house, and no way that someone or something could have made that noise. This was before phones and modern tech that we have today. I've read lots of stories online about entities beyond this world that mimic voices of loved ones 
to trick or convince people. The whole idea of this gives me chills and brings my eyes to water. I don't know what happened that night all those years ago, but the memory will live in my mind forever. Next story is from Thomas in Odessa, Texas. Theater Lipstick. I was in theater at my high school in Odessa, Texas, and that theater had a well-known ghost named Betty. After one show I had gone to, I went up to the balcony to turn off the sound system. At that time, I was playing a Waldo character and had long sleeves on. I hadn't rolled up my sleeves at the time, and I must have pulled them up as I was walking down to the theater, and the teacher looked at me and asked me who had been kissing my arm. I looked down on my arm, and there was dark purple lipstick running up my forearm. My first thought was, yeah, who did kiss my arm? I racked my brain trying to figure out who could have done that, but I didn't know anyone who had purple lipstick, and no one had kissed me that day, certainly not on the arm. To this day, the weirdest experience yet. And the next story is a self-told story from Suzanne in the U.S. I came from a pretty rough background. My dad was an alcoholic and a drug addict. I'm 51 now. Um, So when I was 11 years old, I lost my mom. And I, I knew that she had passed before my dad told me. I remember specifically uh, that morning or the night before him coming in saying, don't leave the house tomorrow because I need to talk to you guys in the morning about something. So I got up and, and I felt drawn to go into the back room of our house where nobody was at. I could close the door behind me and I felt my mother's spirit there. I knew she had passed away. And I was back there, the little 11 year old, having a conversation with God and her. Like, no, mom, don't, this is not true. This is, is not what has, please don't leave me. Um, because at the time she was living in Arkansas, they had gone through a divorce. Um, she had to move away because she had no place else to go. My dad won the custody of the, of the kids. And um, I do, to this day, firmly believe that she died of a broken heart not having her babies with her. So anyways, I was having this conversation. With, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I didn't want to believe it. Um, but shortly after that, we were called into the living room and my dad sat us down and told us that my mom had passed away yesterday morning. They found her. They found her body asleep. Evidently, she died in her sleep. So that was the... That's really the first I can remember having something paranormal happen. And I believe that from then on, my mom has always been with me in a very strong and unique way. And upon that experience with her and knowing that she had passed away, I do believe that that has created my sense of intuition, strong intuition, and my gifts of I, I know things are going to happen before they happen. I dream about situations and they come to happen. I have vivid dreams about people I've never seen before telling me things, talking to me about things and confessing things to me. And I've always had really vivid dreams. And I can only remember it going back to when when I lost my mom. 
a couple years after that happened with my mom, um, my dad had a, a rough time. Uh, he never did win the battle with drugs and alcohol. Um, as a matter of fact, he ended up taking his own life. He shot himself when I was 13 years old. I remember thinking that same thought about my mom, like, no, my, okay, I've lost my mom, but I could never lose my dad, even though, you know, he was like this horrible person doing, he had done such horrible things. I know he was probably facing prison time, but nevertheless, as a kid, it was your dad, it's your, it's, it's all you have. And I just couldn't believe that we were left alone. Now, it was a really, really rough time. I'm not going to go into all of that. Um, but let's just say I, I, I lived through it and, um, I ended up going to college, and uh, upon graduating, I uh, became a really successful real estate agent. And while I was in my real estate career, I reconnected with my mother's family, who were then living in Arizona, but they were originally from Arkansas and really had a strong accent, and they loved their cornbread and uh, very, very Southern. But my grandfather passed away. And so they were having the funeral in Arizona, and I went to be with my mom's family and my aunts and my cousins, and we reconnected. And while I was there, my Aunt Charlotte told me that my Aunt Shirley, I'm sorry, not my, my Aunt um, Linda, my Aunt Linda had cancer, um, and that she didn't want to take chemo therapy. She didn't want to take radiation. She just wanted to, you know, kind of die in a normal, in a normal way and that her body, of which her body was preparing for. She kept fighting for a good year. And I remember one morning I was up getting ready for work in my bedroom and um, just doing my own thing, you know, getting ready, trying to get to the office. And I hear Susie? like really super strong accent and they all called me Susie and honestly when I heard it it was like like I'm talking to you right now um it was that clear and I remember thinking it was my mom like finally all these years I felt her spirit with me and now she's communicating with me so I tried to foster this conversation but she never said any, nothing else was said just my name and so um, but I remember getting a little teary-eyed and, and, and had goosebumps and um, was just like, wow, I, I just hope maybe she'll come back and we can have a conversation or something, you know. So I go, go on with my day, come home, go to bed, wake up the next day, um, and the phone rings, and it's uh, my Aunt Charlotte uh, telling me that my Aunt Linda had passed away the morning before. So when I heard my name, it was my my auntie calling out my name. I believe she was doing that to say goodbye. Um, her and my mom had, they were very similar in so many ways. And um, one of those ways was their voice. And so I could identify it when she said that she had passed away. I knew it was my Aunt Linda. Um, so that's my story. Um, thank you for listening. And um, I'll talk to you all soon with another story. Um, until then... Y'all take care. We're coming up on 16 years of Anything Ghost. If you're listening to this in January of 2022, that is. I started this show in late January of 2006, 
and haven't stopped since. There are a lot of ghost stories in the Anything Ghost Archive. And if you want complete access to everything, every ghost story, song that was a man on the show, everything, then you've got to check out the Anything Ghost VIP group. There's a one-time membership fee, and you'll have complete access to everything Anything Ghost. So check it out. Go to anythingghost.com, and then go to join the VIP group. You'll get stories like the famous Haunted Apartment with Laura, the doppelganger story, and the humorous and personality-filled story Haunted Truck by Lee. And then there's also Confessions of a Fixer by Eric, told in a very compassionate yet haunting way. Check out the Anything Ghost VIP group, one-time membership fee for this web-based archive. AnythingGhost.com, join the VIP group. Now back to the show. Haunted Apartment in Plymouth, England, 1966. Mr. and Mrs. Stanley Robertson decided to throw in the towel and give up the idea of sharing their Plymouth, England apartment with a ghost. In a desperate attempt to rid their home of the ghost, the couple brought in three priests for an exorcism service. The priest said prayers and sprinkled holy water around the modern apartment. But Mr. Robinson said, it didn't do much good. A few nights after the priest's visit, Robinson said, I was waked up by something, I couldn't tell what it was, ruffling my hair. At the same time, my wife felt something leaning on her, as if someone were trying to get across her and get at me. Suddenly, the chest of drawers by the side of the bed started to rock about, and there was a sliding noise, as if somebody was being dragged across the floor and was trying to get a grip with his feet. This was too much for us although we are used to strange happenings in the place. I was terrified, Mrs. Robinson added. Mr. Robinson, 40 years old, said that after that last episode, he and his wife left the place in the pouring rain and went to stay with relatives. I would not dream of sleeping there again while we're on our own, Mrs. Robinson said, and added that they would stay at the flat only on weekends when their married daughter would be with them. Before the exorcism service, Mr. Robinson said the ghost had thrown nose spray around the place and turned mirrors to face the wall. The exorcism was led by the Reverend David Vickery, and after the Reverend heard about the continued haunting, the Reverend admitted, I really don't know what will happen now.
That's a song I wrote called The Cold, The Fear, and The Surrender. And that was from some time back. And it was inspired by a book I read called Into the Wild. Some of you may know. And uh, the next story we have is from Holland in North Carolina. Time Loss. This happened over 15 years ago. Me and a friend went to visit another friend of ours in college. We stayed with her for a Halloween party, then decided to go back home. We were roughly two and a half hours away, so we left the college campus around 10.45. Theoretically, we should have been home by 2 or 2.30 in the morning at the latest, but we weren't worried about time, really. About halfway there, we were getting hungry, so we decided to stop at a place to eat. I can't remember the name of the place, but it was similar to a Waffle House or a Huddle House. We're in North Carolina. Anyway, as soon as we walked in, people were staring at us. Now, yes, I get it. We're from out of town, but this was a widely traveled highway. So I imagine at the time, they are used to getting people from out of town. But this was different. They were staring hard. I remember when we sat down to eat, I asked my friend, Are we green or something? We drank our coffee and ate very quickly. But as we walked out, the entire restaurant, about seven or eight people, including the waitstaff, stared at us the whole time. I've never been so uncomfortable. So we were talking about how weird that experience was. And as we were going down the road, we noticed a car coming up really quickly behind us. It drove beside us, on my side, passed, and got in front of us. It was an old car, almost like a GTO. After riding behind them for about a half a mile or so, the car abruptly turned onto a road up ahead on the right. My friend and I were just in disbelief because weird stuff just kept happening, and we looked at the car just as it turned, and it was gone. It was super dark on this road and in the middle of the night, but the moon was bright, and we could see the flat road. No car. As we were driving, we both started to get increasingly uncomfortable with headaches and almost like a cold sweat. And we had headaches in almost the exact same spot, the back of our heads almost near our neck. We kept looking at the time, and it was taking us forever to get home. It was like we were losing time. We didn't get to this house until almost 5.30 in the morning. There was no way with us stopping to eat. It took us that long to drive. It's at most a two and a half hour drive. We still talk about this story occasionally and are still freaked out by it. Oh, by the way, I'm on, I was going to read you some stuff from Facebook and I want to announce that I set up a TikTok account. I had one set up, but I wasn't doing anything with it. But I started doing short videos of shorter stories that I have splitting them up into minute segments because that's all they allow. So check it out, the Anything Goes show on TikTok. And while I'm on social media topics, I had posted on Facebook Anything Goes page that a story about my mom when I was a kid, I asked her if she'd ever had any experiences with ghosts and she told me that I, it was an old place we stayed at, probably a pretty old place. And she woke up in the middle of the night and heard a lot of people partying and carrying on glasses and dishes. She got up and walked out to where she heard it 
and everything stopped. There was nothing there, nobody there, of course. And so I shared that and asked if anybody else had their moms or dads tell them stories like that, which I get a lot here on Anything Goes, but I was just curious if they would tell us on a post. And so here are some of the stories that people shared on that Facebook post. Kristen said, yes, she was very sensitive and saw those who have passed here and there in her life. Oh my God, she, we used to talk about it for hours and hours. It was awesome. I miss her so much. Weird thing is, I asked her before she passed if she would please come back to me and at some point said no. I guess she didn't want to scare me and she sadly hasn't at all. And then M. Collins, after I'd seen the spirit of a headless woman in my childhood home and gotten confirmation that my father had seen her the week before, I began talking with everyone about what I had seen. My grandmother related a story about when she was a child where her family were going to see an ailing family member. As their horse-drawn buggy was pulling around a bend, they saw a bright light shoot out of the roof of a family member's house. When they arrived, they found out that the person had died just before they arrived. Talking to everyone I could after my experience led me to hearing so many tales from people in my area. I'm glad that no one held back from telling a seven-year-old their tales. And then Anne said, Mom is the one who got me into ghost stories in the first place. She had some good ones without asking. My grandparents, too. My cousins. Probably why scary ghost stories are weirdly comforting. And then Carl wrote, I asked my mom who was walking in my room at night and standing next to my bed. It sounded like a kid scuffling their feet on the carpet. She told me the same was happening to her in her room just above me. At first she thought it was one of us kids until she reached out for who she thought was me and it was a cold spot. This happened every night for a long time and led me to ask siblings about their experiences. Over the years, some weird stuff happened. That was my intro to the paranormal. One of the things I'm going to write in about. And then Pam wrote, Saw my grandmother when I was in high school. She passed away when I was 13. She was standing in the hallway outside my bedroom. I always hope I will see her again. And then one from Josh. There's a lot of these. I'll just read some of the longer ones. But from Josh... Yes, my mom saw a little girl with long blonde hair standing in the field at our deer lease in Columbus, Texas. My mom said the little girl was standing in the field looking toward the cabin, and when my mom turned around to tell my grandmother about her, she turned back and the little girl was gone. My mom said the little girl was wearing a white old-fashioned dress, and there was no place for her to run or hide. And then from Jessie, that's how they put Maricela, I guess that's her sister, and me to bed. One time when I was sleeping in my mother's old house, my leg was hanging off the bed, and a hand grabbed it and tried to pull me under the bed. I screamed, and I never slept in that room again. And then Zephon wrote, My grandmother told me about a visitation she experienced a short time after her sister passed away. They lived alone at the time. After she went to bed for the evening, sitting up in her pillow chair and reading a book, she felt someone sit down at the foot of her bed. There was an impression and a pressure, and though it happened quickly, it slowly faded away. She knew it was her sister, 
She felt her presence. My mother doesn't seem to recall experiences. I've had to remember them for her, because she has told me at the time they happen. It makes me wonder just how many she has had, since I'm aware of quite a few. One day, my mother called me on the phone, as she did sometimes, since we lived about 300 miles apart. Excitedly and sounding mystified, she explained she had a dream about her brother, whom she hadn't seen or talked to in about a decade. The dream was so beautiful, it moved her to tears. But she couldn't quite express it in words. The most poignant detail was the moment in her dream in which she told her brother, thank you for all the beautiful music. She was so confused about what it could possibly mean. It was really quite strange to her. Within the week, she received a call. Her brother had been ill for quite some time and was found sadly deceased in the apartment where he lived alone. When I reminded her of the dream, she knew he had come to say goodbye. And then Angela added one. Definitely. My dad said that his aunt, who had lived with them back in Ireland, had been knocked down by a motorbike and taken to the hospital. He stayed with a friend and was woken by a tap at the window in the early hours. When he looked out, his aunt was there, beckoning him out. So he got up to open the door, but his friend's parents stopped him and sent him back to bed. You know what I'm going to say. His aunt died in the early hours. Years later, my dad went back to her cottage and hung around outside. The owner came out, and they chatted, and she asked him if he knew anything about the ghost. She said that every child at the home had seen a woman who appeared at the end of the bed and then walked out the door. My dad was convinced that this was his dear Auntie May, still looking for him. And then I'll read one more. This is from Jolie. Parents divorced and dad moved into town, a small town in South Dakota, and rented a 100-plus-year-old house. I was 10 and always felt the place was weird when I visited. One day we were sitting on the porch on a hot summer night, and he told me about a grandmother figure he would see nearly every night, walking with something that looked like laundry in her arms, walking through the bedroom to the bedroom door, then disappearing. He couldn't get over how she didn't have a bottom part of her body, but she still floated as if she walked. The last time he saw her, he said later that night, he felt a hand on his shoulder that felt like a kitten's paw. He said it was kind of almost protective and comforting. But anyway, there's a couple more in here um, from Al and Kelly and Karen and uh, Kelly again. But uh, so, yeah, check it out if you want. It's uh, under my uh, Anything Ghost Facebook page. But anyway, let's move on now back to the stories of Anything Ghost. And actually, one of the stories that I shared in that Facebook reading was one of the stories that was supposed to be shared here. I guess Zephon sent it to both my email and posted it on Facebook. So that was from Zephon in the U.S. It was about my grandmother told me about a visitation she experienced shortly after her sister passed. So again, that was from Zephon in the U.S. That was called Mother's Cognizance. And next up to bat, we have Jessie in Canada. The old lady in a rocking chair. 
I thought I'd share a couple of quick stories for you. The first I'd forgotten about until recently. I was about eight years old. We were living in South Texas. For some reason, my sister and I went with a neighbor family to a party on a ranch. The party was in the main house. I'm not sure exactly why, but there were a few outbuildings with rooms and beds. It looked like a little kid's school or camp rooms. There were a couple of one-level wings of cinder-block buildings with doorways that opened onto covered sidewalks. Each building had probably three or four rooms. The only lighting came from the rooms themselves, or the main house lights. My guess was that they were for help or for family when they came to stay a night. Us kids were allowed to run around and play, and our neighbor friends showed us all of the places to go and get into mischief but also which areas to avoid. For example, there was a bowl in one of the fenced areas. It was a little dark and spooky in some of the areas where the light of the house didn't reach, but the night was festive, and being with kids that knew their way around eased my nervousness. At one point, we were walking through one of the outbuildings, peeking our heads into the rooms. In one of the rooms, in the dark, there was an old woman sitting in a rocking chair. She didn't say anything. And the neighborhood kids didn't even acknowledge that she was there as they moved right past her and then out the back door. I remember thinking how weird it was and asked as we walked away if that was their grandmother. Who? Lewis said. The old lady over there, I said. He looked back down the sidewalk the way we came and shrugged. I don't know. I didn't see anyone. Then he ran up ahead, unfazed. Since he was unfazed, I figured I shouldn't be either, and I kept going. It wasn't until now that I realized that at that party, you don't have an old lady sitting in a rocking chair by herself in a dark room with the door open, especially not when everyone else is in the main house. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe she wasn't a ghost, but why didn't the others see her? I have now moved from Texas to Canada, and a few months ago I was lying in bed listening on my earbuds when I felt a tap on my shoulder. Thinking that I had not heard or seen my husband come in, I pulled out my earbud and turned around. There was nobody there. My husband is not quick, but even if he were, there'd be no way he could get across the room that quick. A few nights later, the same thing happened, and no one was there. Then, two nights later, my son was asleep on my bed. I felt something enter my room. It was a shadowy figure, huge, bigger than I'd ever imagined they could be. It was about seven feet tall and not slender, what I could only describe as muscular, there was no definition to it, though, just a dark humanoid shape. I stared at it for a second, and then through gritted teeth, I yelled at it to get out. It started backing away toward the window, and then I saw it turn toward my son, who was sleeping peacefully. I saw it pause, as if it was considering something. Instantly, I hissed, Don't you dare! Get out of this house now! 
There were definitely some curse words included there. Possibly even some threats, I don't know. I have never seen a shadow person stumble, but this one did, and it was gone. And this next story just came in yesterday, and it was sent by Brittany in Washington, U.S. Haunted House in Brookville, England. I come from a military family, and we lived overseas the majority of my childhood. This story took place in a little town in England called Brookville. I was about seven at the time, and my brother was nine. We lived in an old two-story house with a gazebo out back. My brother and I had our own bedrooms, with his overlooking the gazebo. Knowing what I know now, I can recall several strange experiences. The staircase would creak regularly with the sound of footsteps, even when everybody was in bed. I remember being so terrified that I couldn't even make a noise to call for my parents. When I would mention this to my mom, her response would be that the house was settling. I can also recall several instances when birds flew directly into our windows and broke their necks. Again, at the time, it was very easy to brush these events off, being only seven years old. But I no longer think these occurrences were happenstance. My brother had issues with sleep. He would line his bed with beanie babies like they were guarding him. Apparently, he would wake frequently in the middle of the night crying. One night, my parents were talking about his issues with sleep, and the topic of counseling came up. My brother had overheard that conversation and was terrified because he thought counseling meant that they were going to admit him for being crazy. He was only nine. Because of that, he decided not to tell my parents the real reason that he was scared. We lived in England for two years before relocating to Germany. In that two years, my parents became really good friends with our landlord. Because of this, my dad was able to recommend military tenants to our old house to the landlord. A few months afterward, we moved, and my dad returned to England and stopped by to visit our landlords. While he was there, the new tenant stopped by. After initial small talk, the new tenant got a serious look on his face and asked my dad if anything weird ever happened while he was living in that house. My dad inquired as to what he meant by weird. The tenant explained, That back bedroom, we had to fill it with boxes. We can't stay in it. He was referring to my brother's old bedroom. Anytime we stayed in there, we would see a black figure in the hallway or outside of the window. Now this was a grown military man with a reputable background, so it was difficult to imagine this man would be making this up. When my dad returned to Germany, he pulled my brother aside and asked him about his experiences in England. Why did he line his bed with beanie babies, and why was he so scared all the time? My brother told him, There was a black figure that would appear outside my window or in the hallway. My dad was stunned. Although I never saw anything, I do recall how scared I would get at the sound of someone coming up the stairs. 
The house was old, and it's not hard to believe that there would be spirits there. My parents felt bad once my brother revealed that he didn't tell them about the figure because of their conversation about counseling. And that's it for Anything Ghost number 289, the 16th anniversary episode of Anything Ghost. For everything Anything Ghost, go to anythingghost.com. Remember to check out the VIP group while you're there. A one-time membership fee will give you every single episode of Anything Ghost. Okay, thank you everyone so much for all your stories in this episode. And if you have a story you want to share, send it to Lex at anythingghost.com or fill out the form at anythingghost.com. All right, have yourself a wonderful beginning of this new year, 2022. And until the next episode, take care.